This episode is sponsored by Under Armour and their Infinite Elite Everyday Running Shoe, which I was lucky enough to head out to Barcelona and see being unveiled at its launch and to chat to athletes like Sharon Nakidi, who won the New York Marathon a few years ago, who does all of her easy and steady runs in this pair of shoes. And then we've set Jess from The Running Channel a very specific challenge to train for 12 weeks for her fastest, hopefully, ever 10K, which is also back out in Barcelona. Yeah, she is loving training in this shoe. And I think it's important as well because we're so lucky we get to test lots of different shoes. But we do know that some people just want that one pair that will do everything. So Jess has been doing her long runs, interval sessions, and she will be tackling the final 10K in the Under Armour Infinite Elite shoes. Yeah, big focus on endurance and a brand new foam, which provides extra energy return and looks after you on even your longest runs. So if you want to know more, head to the link in the show notes. You are listening to the Running Channel podcast with me, Sarah Hartley, my old slow co-host, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rick or Andy, which one? Rick and Andy. And Rick, who's in the corner pressing some buttons. I couldn't think of an insult, so I thought I'd just get them in one. You know what? Not just both together, it's just the old people. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. But you know what this has made me think about, and I've been thinking about it all week, are runners actually funny? Yeah. So I thought for this week's podcast, I'd come up with a few running jokes. Oh, excellent. Well, I was going to say that two out of the three of us are funny. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the running jokes on this podcast are Rick's outfits, Rick's button pressing. Andy's old. Can I actually tell Andy's the jokes? Fields. Sorry, Sorry, yeah. jokes. Oh. So why shouldn't you run behind a car? <laughs> I, I, I is this know. one of those where I say if I don't know? There's a you'd, you'd, you'd be exhausted. Okay. All right. You, no. Yeah, no. All right. There's another one. All right. Okay. Okay. I thought I was uh, the, the right, dad I, joke. Oh. All right. All right. Anyway, I was on the weekend. I noticed uh, that this couple that they split after running a marathon. They'd had a good run though. Oh my gosh. Tough crowd here, Sarah. All right, okay. All right. These are awful. All right. Mate. All right. Here comes another. All right. One <laughs> more. Terrible. I can't. That was like tumbleweed. All right. One more. One more. Mm-hmm. Uh, why did the gardener lose the race? I don't know. He took the wrong route. <laughs> No. Oh my god! <laughs> so Sarah I and I you think were are both say laughing. Something about like raking it in or something. No. Yeah, my right. my mind went straight to something about hose. All right, well that went well. Anyway, here's another podcast. Just in that little break then, Rick's just revealed to us, which actually somehow makes them funnier, that he wrote them himself. Or he's claiming to, so if there is any copyright issues, then get in touch. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I may have had help from other people. Your children. Yeah. And, you know, the World Wide Web may have helped point some of them in the right direction. Oh, he's he's changed it to... Oh, so you have stolen them from the internet. No, not... I've developed them. I've developed them. All of the names have changed. Off yeah. mic, there was very much like, oh, that's an hour of my time wasted. I've, I've well, come up with those jokes well, it, all on I, my own. It, I pulled the, the themes and then adapted them. So just claim them for yourselves. Yeah, Excellent. Yeah, something like that. Well, what are we talking about today, Sarah? Well, this is a very exciting episode because we are coming into the uh, arguably headliners of marathon spring season. Oh, don't, tell, uh, don't tell Chicago, New York and Tokyo. They're not necessarily all spring. Oh, the headlines of spring marathons. Oh, brilliant. I've just jumped in for no reason. London and Boston coming up all within a week of each other. Yeah. Which yes. I didn't know they were so tightly packed in. This uh, is like the equivalent of what's it in the Olympics, like Super Saturday, when it was just all of the finals in the same. I mean, obviously not like the most important final. Actually, I wasn't, I wasn't in it. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you just, just gave myself gave out. Yourself. <laughs> oh, okay. Anyway, this week's podcast, we are tackling London Marathon, Boston Marathon. If you're running, if you even if you're not running, we're going to go through what these marathons are, why they're so special. And if you're running, we're going to give you a last few tips. We're going to try to, yeah. And actually, success. by the time you listen to this very episode, Sarah and I will actually be out in Boston, ready to, to watch. Uh, I'm not running it. Yep, and I'm stupid enough to be running it the day before. You're well, running that's a secret. It, Don't oh, tell her. Oh, sorry. So <laughs> no, it's okay. You're running it the day before. So basically, you're going to be going out and doing the course, Sarah, but you're yeah. going to be dodging people because, you know, none of the fences will be up. I'm going to get both sides of the fence. Right. I'm going to know what they're going through and be able to watch. Yeah, because... it's an exclusive as well. So, like, that's a, a little bit of a sneak peek into a video that's coming out for us. Yeah, so, so don't um, tell anyone if you're listening to this. Yeah, yeah. Well, don't just, tell that's anyone. just for people on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. But if actually, if you are listening along to this or if you're watching this on YouTube right now, go into the comments and put, I know what you don't know. And then we'll know. Yeah. Is that yeah. cringe? If you know, you know. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. Dot, dot, dot. There we go. Um, but this actually brings me on to, I, over the last couple of weeks, have watched Park Run, which I've never really done that much before because I'm usually running it or I've run it and then we'll we'll watch and support for a little bit yeah. of the people coming in after it is hilarious watching people do park run i'm because, waiting for the the connection to the marathons oh because i'll be watching boston okay gotcha but my mum has always said so my mum bless her comes to when i go home and do my home park run yeah. she will come and watch it and she'll always be like i don't understand why you're putting yourself through this because yeah. she'll be like, everyone just looks so tired. I just want to tell them to stop and have a sit down. And I finally witnessed it for the first time. What witnessed people putting themselves through it? Yeah. Yeah. It's As in like when you're doing it, you're like, I really want this. You feel super motivated. But then when you're just standing there watching, you know, drinking a hot chocolate with cream and marshmallows. You're, getting just, the, you're just thinking why? I'm Yeah, getting the full spectator vibe. I'm like, why? Well, funnily enough, my, this is an aside, but my mum used to say a similar thing to me, which is I would talk to her about my training. Um, and she would genuinely be like, oh, just don't, you know, don't work too hard. Don't go too hard. I was like, that's literally the point, mum. Because I was like, I'd be like, oh yeah, I did a track session the other day and I felt so sick afterwards or I was sick afterwards or whatever it was. And I know that's not a healthy thing, but that was lactate related rather than anything else. Um, yeah. And she just, oh, I, I don't want to hear about it, Andrew. Oh, I'm Andrew to my mum as well. Um, oh, Andrew. Andrew. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. should call him Andrew when he's being naughty. <laughs> Which is all of the time quiet so we'll rebrand to the podcast but yeah <laughs> watching spectating as you guys will well know i've watched plenty of marathons yeah yeah. Um, yeah so i'm looking forward to going out and watching um so it's different experience and obviously it's quite hard on course to take in very much of the route particularly in boston because it's point to point mm. yeah super exciting but let's start off i actually have a little quiz oh, oh yeah. we're gonna start with a quiz yeah can we start with a quiz yeah are they, is it funny play along at home no it's not funny although i'd be interested to know whether people actually do think runners are funny you know writing aside um but I yeah i think you i think they think we're funny sarah me, me and you that's <laughs> a two out of three yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quiz time. Quiz time. Okay, so I have five questions from Boston and five questions about London. Yeah. So oh, I'm gonna be rubbish at this. Who's gonna win, Andy or Rick? If Andy doesn't win, there's something wrong. I mean, I, I'm not gonna lie, I kind of agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, starting off with a London question. Okay. Which brand was the first to sponsor the London Marathon? Uh -uh. Flora. <laughs> 
Oh, we have to press a buzzer. I wondered what you were doing. I thought you were going, I don't want to answer that question. No, you have to do a buzzer noise. Incorrect. Oh, in fairness. Although that is a sponsor. Rick's gone in. Flora did sponsor it throughout the 90s, which is our... I mean, I'm not supposed to talk about how old Rick is on the podcast. So it's our childhood. Yeah, just hurry up and give your answer. It's all right. I'm a 90s baby as well. If it wasn't like someone like View From or something like that. No, what's that? Oh, that's like an old apparel maker. I used to have a jacket that had both View From and Flora on it. Well, <laughs> hang on. Let's let, let's break this down a little bit. Yeah. So, Are you going to say there wasn't? Well, oh there, my there, god, there are ten eight, questions. Nineteen eighty-five was it the first London Marathon? No. What, early early. 80s? That isn't one of my questions, so I can't but, tell but you that. So, so the sponsor in the eighty. I mean, eighties was it? I don't know. It was just something hilarious, like a like a Crisps. fag brand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah cigarettes. Yeah. Um, oh, I've got no idea. Answer was Gillette. Oh, oh, no, I did know that because I've seen the branding on the first poster. Yeah. Oh, okay, one. question number two. <sighs> what year did Boston Marathon start awarding prize money? Uh, uh. How could we possibly know these questions? 1992. <laughs> no, close though. Oh. Go back a bit more. Okay, 1989. No, close. <laughs> 1990? No, back a bit 88. more. 88. Oh. 87. Go down a few more. Oh, come on. We're not going to go. 1986. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. Next question. How much money was raised for charities at the London Marathon in October last year? Andy's so annoyed at these questions. I'm not going to ask you that's, how many miles is a marathon. So, yeah, so that's hard. what I was looking for is something that how I could much, actually know the answer to. How much money? That's yeah. so hard. I mean, I'm guessing... Uh-uh. Uh, I'm getting <laughs> 42 million. 42 million. Ooh, no, 38. Very close. No, not far. Okay, easy one. How many people run London Marathon? Uh, uh, is it 50,000? I think it's more like 42,000 or something like that. Yeah, so the, the official is over 40,000. Okay. So it could be 50. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by that logic, it could be 200,000. <laughs> okay, next one. You've got options here. On which day is Boston Marathon held? A, Independence Day. B, Patriots Day. C, Environment... In, uh, I've malfunctioned. C, Environment Day. D, Victory Day. <laughs> I, I know this one as well. Patriots Day. Yeah! yeah! That is one point to Rick. Hang on. Do, Hang oh, on. So I don't get a point. I knew it as well, though. Have we got... For, no, the, you, you for the numbers, in. for the oh, numbers. You're not playing collaboratively as a team. Oh, this okay. is competitive, Andy. There's only one winner. It's like running. Uh, okay, I thought the buzzing <laughs> was just a joke because Rick's the funny man. No, it's real. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> we actually do have buzzers. Um, next question. Who holds the fastest women's time for London Marathon? Uh, uh, Paula Radcliffe. Yeah. Yes. One all. His buzzer's pathetic. Oh, sorry. I just didn't you have also, the, quite, the umph. You should have had a different buzzer. Rick's okay. already taken it. Eh, eh. okay. What's yours going to be? I don't know. Bring. That's the first one that came to mind. <laughs> no? It's like a doorbell. Literally sounded like a cat. Bring. <laughs> Okay, that's Andy's time. Well, I could um, just say my name. Okay. Next question. In which pub was the first London Marathon planned? I don't know. Come on, Rick, you know your pubs. Uh, I, I just can't remember. It's older than America, the pub. Oh, yes, and I've had it's a drink in it as well. It's, uh, with, have I had a drink in it with you? Oh, we don't know. We're not going to get it. See, if you both were 20 years younger, that would have been... <laughs> Well, I would only be five, so that would be really bad. <laughs> of course, mate, of course. Um, it's the Dysart Arms. The Dysart yeah, Arms. Dysart yeah, yeah. Arms in Richmond. Um, okay, couple more. Who won the first Boston Marathon? The first one? Yeah. Oh. Which well, male won the first Boston We don't know Marathon. when the first Boston Marathon was. I don't was. know. Early. It's like well, women weren't allowed to run. 
Yeah, women didn't Seriously? run until 66, 67. Well, actually, they, they weren't allowed to run then either. That's just when they got in trouble for running. Um, I no idea. Got no idea. John McDermott. Oh, oh sounds like a... had a quiz on that before on the running channel, I think, when we were all running on the oh, treadmill really? or one of the um, monthly show quizzes. I mean, that's a hard question. Yeah. Full marks to you if you just got that remotely. Okay, and then last question. Yeah. On average, how many spectators come to cheer on the runners every year at Boston Marathon to the nearest 100,000? You're one all. This means uh, everything. Andy. No. Use your buzzer. Oh, bring. No, do it in the same. Bring. <laughs> Andy. <laughs> Sorry, Andrew. Uh, 400,000. Incorrect. Oh. 650,000. No, you're finishing on a tie. It is 500,000. Also, oh, 400,000 is closer than 650,000. Just by the maths. It, yeah, it, also, Rick, to the nearest 100,000, and you went 650. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he said he's, he's good at ma- good at jokes, yeah, not maths. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. sorry, yeah. yeah. I was kind of just looping it around, but anyway, I mean, I'm happy to give it to him. Yeah, those questions fair, yeah. were nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, we've all learned something. That's the main thing. That was good fun. We should, maybe, maybe we should do that every week. Should we do quizzes every week? Yeah, yeah, Email us in really at podcast.therunningchannel.com. Also, we've had a few questions from people asking this to be longer, so we'd like to get a consensus. So if anyone would like the podcast to be a little bit longer, roughly we aim for about 30 minutes, you should let us know, and we will potentially... Take that into account, <laughs> depending on how many people, depending on how many people email in. If just one person gets back and says longer, then maybe not. Yeah, because otherwise Rick shouts at us for going on for too long. Um, the Boston stuff about women made me um, think of something. Like, this, for anyone that doesn't know, um, the the story about women running in it and how you know it has been going for a lot longer than the London Marathon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in 1967, Catherine Switzer became famous for running for the first time, but she'd entered under her initials. So I think she'd entered as a K Switzer um, in order to get through the entry process because only men could enter. Um, and then the race director at the time, who apparently they're now pretty close friends because of this story, but like he tried to run onto the course and get her off. So there's all these iconic photographs from the time of him trying to like pull her off the course, basically. Wow. I can't imagine. I consider myself so lucky that, that you know, there are still quite a few barriers to entry with a lot of races for women, but I count myself so lucky that I'm at least allowed to line up on the start line. Yeah, it, well, it's unimaginable to me that that could be the case that it, it wasn't, but it, mm. it, that's not, you know, that's not, I mean, I suppose it is quite a long time ago, but it's still recent history. It's just crazy. And someone did run it in 1966 called Bobby Gray was actually the first woman to, I think, run and finish the Boston Marathon. But she, I don't think she had an official entry because she wasn't allowed to enter. So she hid in a bush beforehand wow. um, and then wow. and then jumped in and, that's my understanding anyway. One thing that I love about Boston is that for everyone who is running in it, it's quite often this kind of big, big goal. So you yeah. might have heard if you've run marathons, you might have heard of the term Boston qualifier. Yeah. And that is because to get entry into Boston, you need a, a qualifying BQ. time. You a, need BQ. a BQ. Yeah. yeah. Which are fast. Like for yeah. me, it would be sub 3.30. For a man the same age as me, it's sub three hours. Yeah. It's that they're really tough those times. Um, And that's why it's often people's last of their world marathon majors that they go after. Yeah. Um, If they're trying to complete the kind of six stars to be a finisher of all of those majors. Um, So people need to build up to it. And there are definitely, it's possible to get an entry in other different routes, but that's the main bulk of it is it's like a, a sense of pride, I guess, that you've managed to qualify. Yeah, I think it's really cool as well. Like, obviously, there are lots of marathons where you can just sign up and train and and it's inclusive to everyone's pace. But I think if you are someone that's working towards a time, knowing that you've got that to target makes... Because then on the actual day, you can then train again and maybe try and get a PB or that's actually a marathon where you've got there through 
training, hard work, running a PB, and then on the actual day, you can just soak it all in. Yeah, lots of people I know actually go for the experience ultimately because they've put the hard work in to get there and then yeah. on the day it's it's not a fast course or dependent on the weather it can sometimes it's not it's, there's hills and it, it is tough routes um and uh, definitely a lot of the people there who've not had the perfect run in but are running it because that's their chance to run it yeah um, and you don't always mm. get another chance so the course as well is so it wouldn't count if so this year it's very exciting because Elliot Kipchoge who's the current world record holder per first greatest of all time yeah. yeah first man to break sub two hours for a marathon he yeah. is running but if he were to break his own record it wouldn't count is that correct correct that's my understanding yeah point to point and it's net downhill yeah because there's a guy Ryan Ryan Hall from America um who ran a super fast time there I want to say it was like 204 205 um and that didn't count as the American record because of the yeah the, the rules for how they ratify records based on the overall elevation and the the close the proximity of, of start and finish. I wonder how that works psychologically if you're building up to that race. I guess you're still going for like okay, I want to win it. Yeah, because everyone's everyone's kind of debating what Kipchoge's strategy is at the moment. Of like, is he just going for a win at all six majors? Yeah, I don't understand. There's nothing for him to be gained by other than. If he feels like he's in better shape than everyone else, then going for a time in inverted commas will kind of decimate the field and there's not many people that are going to be able to keep up with him. Mm. So the later he leaves the faster paced bit, the more people are still going to be in contention and the more of a lottery it becomes for him. Um, but, you know, there's not many people that can keep up with him if he's going at 202, 203 pace. Um, and it's quite dependent on, I think that year that Ryan Hall ran really fast, it was like a tailwind the whole way because it is in one direction broadly. So that's mm. why it's so weather dependent. And then in recent years, there was the marathon where in the in the pros, at least, there was so many dropouts, people running in jackets, like running a, an elite marathon in rain jackets and hat, hats and stuff. Because it just because the weather was so bad. Yeah, it was brutal freezing rain, yeah. Oh my gosh. That so. Hopefully it's fun. not like that when we go out there. No. And then no. London Marathon now, Rick... Out of everyone in this room, you're the only one that's run it. That I'm is, running London as well I mean, this year. That is surprising and incredible in the same <laughs> statement. Uh, so how did you find it when you ran it? Um, absolutely ecstatic. One of the best things I've ever done, ever. Yeah. Uh, one of the best races ever, the, the best race I've ever run in. And it's just amazing. We what, touched on it a few weeks ago, didn't we? When yeah. We talked about emotional moments in running. And, and you, that was, I said that you'd call me as you finished or after you'd finished. Yeah. Like really like tearful actually about this this experience that you'd had. Yeah, I, I just, I just, because I think it's also because it's my city as well. Mm. And I think when you run in your own city, you're more passionate about it because you're running the, you know, the streets that you always you to work on, you commute on, you see every day you go out and, you know, so I think that adds to it. So I think it would be the same in anybody's city, I imagine. But then you've got, you know, London's an iconic place anyway. Yeah. I, I always find it interesting as well. Like at the end of a marathon, and you've done quite a few recently, Sarah, like how do you feel about drinking wine? after you finished a marathon is, you know, do you think you can this, consume I love this is where you've taken a, fair, a fair bit <laughs> of alcohol after a marathon? Because I was thinking, you know, I'll have a couple of, you know, a bottle of Pinot Grigio to celebrate. A couple of bottles. <laughs> bottle? No, but then I, I couldn't drink. I, I just couldn't drink after I, you know. Yeah, that's, this is what I've learned. Couldn't take it in. Yeah, this is my biggest, biggest learning. And I actually spoke about this after I did Osaka. If you want a positive overall marathon experience that you can look back on fondly, be as selfish as possible post-race. Like that is your diva moment is not before. It is very much after. And in order to enjoy a marathon, like after Osaka, I went full diva. No alcohol because I just feel so, 
clean. don't know. I just feel not, no, not necessarily clean. No, I feel like dirty, salty when yeah. I finish. I do it, but I don't, I've always wanted to be the type of person where I could have a table booked at a nice restaurant after a marathon. I just don't think I'm ever going to be that person. So what type of person are you? I am yeah, a... what did being selfish mean? I'm a hobble to the train station or whatever transport home I'm getting. I'm going via McDonald's. Have my <laughs> <laughs> Some quality uh, recovery fodder. Yeah, I just needed... Like any carbohydrate would have been fine. Actually, after Amsterdam, I got my favourite post-race combination, which was sparkling water and bread. Oh wow, you you know how to you know how to live. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Rick's going straight in for a bottle of Pinot Grigio. No, I just well, don't. No, I, I don't. I get felt it. amazing. I, I've never felt so alive actually when I finished. Really? The marathon. I've never felt so alive. I just Maybe felt I'm doing ex- it I felt ecstatic when I finished the marathon in, in London, and it wasn't that I couldn't stay up and talk to people and you know relive the experience of the day. It was just my body couldn't actually take in a beer. It couldn't take yeah. in. That for the first fun. time for ever. For the first time <laughs> ever. And I was just staring just at so it. I still confused. had a nice night. Yeah. You know, and, and oh, so you did could, actually go out? Um, we had a, like a gathering around our place. So we had like... <laughs> Had a house yeah. pie. I've been to a few. I've been to a few gatherings. At your oh yeah, it got, it got was bit, that it got a bit loose, but just not yeah. me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was just sat on the sofa. I went to the kind of official after party after Berlin. Yeah, and I would love to be the type of person that could just stand mm. there get some drinks in, relive it all. You probably can. You probably can. I can't. My legs no. just won't let me. Oh, so inter- I mean, I, I'm trying desperately to insert myself into a conversation about completing marathons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go on, Andy. What's your take on it? But when I raced whatever distance it was, less than a marathon, um, just the, the mental and physical effort that went into it, albeit in a different type of energy systems and so on. Mm. Yeah, that there would be there would always be people going for drinks or, or partying afterwards. And I just not just because I'm boring and, and old and all the rest of it. I just couldn't do it. Like my, that was, everything was to me was, was getting across that finish line. Yeah. And then for whatever reason, my body almost wouldn't let me like go nuts and have lots of drink or um, stay up late. I just was just so exhausted. I wanted to go to bed, but yeah. then couldn't sleep because I was then wired, wired from the adrenaline wired, of it. So yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird one where you're like, especially after running a marathon, you'll just be so awake or like yeah. wanting to talk about it. If it's whether it's gone well or not, like you just will want to talk about it. But no, I lay, my diva moment was lying on my bed with my legs up against the wall for three hours. And recording a podcast with us, actually. And recording a podcast Yeah, live, oh, I, mean, I still have my legs up for that. Yeah, yeah, living the dream. We should wrap up. We haven't spoken about Boston and London that much, I suppose. There's not much meaningful advice we've given people, but I am excited to watch both of them. Yeah. Um, two of the field, like in the in both, actually, I did look at the start list in the women's field in particular. I think both Boston and London have nine elite women who've run under 220, which is a staggering oh. number. Mm. And yeah. um, the fastest woman in, in Boston's run 214.58. And they've got the world record holder, Bridget Koskai in London, 214.02. And then the men's race at London as well as four of the five fastest marathon runners of all time, plus Mo Farah, potentially his last ever marathon. So loads of kind of interest that we're excited to report back on afterwards, I think. Stay tuned. It's going to be exciting. Yeah. You're listening to the Running Channel podcast. We've covered quite a lot of news there. So for this week, we're just going to dive straight into your questions. Let's do it. Don't forget this episode is sponsored by Under Armour and their Infinite Elite Shoes. Now at the Running Channel, we bang on all the time about how if you want to run fast, you need to run slow. I'm talking about the 80-20 rule. Yes, you need to do the vast majority of your training at an easier or steadier pace. And you need an everyday pair of running shoes that you trust to do that. And the Infinite Elite has brand new cushioning technology in the form of Under Armour's Hover Plus. So that's designed to support you for the whole of even your longest runs with extra cushioning and energy return. So that's what this is all about. Yeah, and if you want to check out the Under Armour Infinite Elite, head to the link in the show notes.
don't forget podcast at therunningchannel.com if you want to get involved in question time next week. Uh, Denise has emailed us this week and she asks, what are your thoughts about running alone versus running with someone else or a group or a club? Are there benefits to it? Pros and cons? Do you guys have preferences? I think I want to run with someone, says Denise. My boyfriend runs, but unlike me, he's been running for years, so he runs twice as quick. Having said that, I couldn't get to run with him because I might be affecting his progress by asking him to slow down for me. So she keeps running on her own. Poor Denise. What do we think on this? This is interesting mm. because... It's a, it's a like, dilemma, I guess, because the, the most easy person to run with is the, your kind of loved ones. And if they're yeah. at a very different pace, it's quite difficult. Yeah, so I, I've i had this a few times where I've tried to run with like friends who are starting out or like a boyfriend who's starting out and they always get really annoyed because they're like, oh, no, you're just... Annoying? I'm slowing you down. Oh, right. oh, yeah, and obviously they have yeah. to talk to me for yeah, that's half the hard bit. Um But yeah, I... I fully and actually when I started running it was with someone else so my introduction to running was always with other people and actually I think that was so good but yeah. I fully understand the guilt of if you're the the slower person out of the two then yeah. it can really feel it can you can just play on your mind for the whole run of like oh am I slowing this person down yeah I think if you know them well enough and they're your friend then I think that they're just have a conversation with them beforehand. Like, I can only run at this pace. Are you happy to run with me? And yeah. if, they, if they've signed up to that, then most yeah, people are- Yeah, that's on them. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. And, and and mix it up. Like, go for runs on your own still. And then, I mean, I would just say try and run with a group of people. Mm. And then you've got a much higher chance of, one, meeting some cool people. Like, I've met a lot of my really close friends through running. Um, spending that time doing shared experience is really powerful. So it's a motivator to get you out the door to do it in the first place. Um, it's more likely to keep you coming back it'll help you to see improvement because if they're a fraction quicker than you, then they'll help pull you along with them. Um, and yeah, most running clubs that might have groups of 10 or 20 or 30 people go out, that might be intimidating, but it's more likely that you'll have someone to run with at your pace the more people that go. Um, safety in numbers, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. Also, if you are worried about like, I don't know whether you're not fast enough, like one, don't worry about it. Also, if you do want to know then just drop them a message beforehand yeah. because everyone's always mm. gonna runners love talking about running so yeah. <laughs> they will be happy to talk about that or go along to a track session because then you're running in circles so yeah. and chance to regroup between intervals yeah yeah and it doesn't i actually saw a really cool club the last time i was at the track who were doing a kind of boot camp run session so everyone was running at different paces because it was it depended yeah. they were in the middle of the track doing like burpees and then one person would go and yeah do a lap so it's a fun way of meeting people but there isn't that kind of pressure on pace i guess yeah yeah and, and bear in mind that you're if, if, if a friend or someone you're running with might be a slightly more able runner than they and would like to run a bit more quickly then you can hold them back a little bit by letting them do the talking mm. um like that's that's a pretty standard thing where you go out and that person can talk to you they can vent their worries and put the world to rights while you're kind of the world's best listener because you can't talk because you're, <laughs> you're running a bit quicker. Oh, I've done that many yeah. times, <laughs> I, especially on like marathon long runs. I've quite often well, like roped someone into cycle alongside me. And they're just chatting away. And then for the last, if it's like a 30k run for the last 5k, I'm like, I think once I even got someone to tell me about computer games. <laughs> just talk and to I me. Just talk to me. computer games. I was like, tell me about that one. But yeah, the, the short answer, Denise, is give it a go. Like running clubs in particular are incredibly welcoming. Mm. Um, and meeting someone at some, go along to Parkrun maybe actually, uh, if you live in the UK or somewhere that has a Parkrun. And then you'll find people 
at a similar pace to you whilst you do the 5k you yeah. can chat to them afterwards that's a good way of meeting yeah people. or on denise as well buy some super shoes and make your boyfriend run barefoot and that'll <laughs> maybe equal <laughs> you out <laughs> right next up guillaume has emailed asking as a runner from a hot climate i tend to do my long runs early in the morning sometimes even at 5 a.m i grab a somewhat light breakfast do my long run eat something to recover and then wait for lunch I'm kind of worried about London's marathon late start time, which is about 10 a.m. Needless to say, I've never ran this late in the morning and it's usually scorching hot here in Brazil. Are there any fueling strategies for before a race at this time? A bigger breakfast or maybe some brunch? I mean, 10 a.m., it's not that late, is it? Yeah, I'm more excited about the fact that he's writing to us from Brazil. Yes, yeah. very cool. Brazil. Hello. Yeah, and I, just as you were talking, I was, I was thinking about a whole bunch of stuff here. Um, one is that, I'm pretty sure, assuming he's not doing it remotely, like the virtual London Marathon, and therefore he's running. No, no, he's in, coming. In he's London. coming. Yeah. So actually the time difference is going to help out in his favor because I think right now, and it's going to change a little bit with various daylight savings and so on, but it's four hours. Rio's four hours behind yeah. London. So actually he normally runs at 5 a.m. He's going to be running at 10 a.m. That's five hours. Yeah. So the time difference is going to do most of the shifting for him if he doesn't try to shift his body clock too much. That's a good thought. That's yeah. very good. But also it's not going to be as hot in London as in Brazil. Well, apart from every now and again, we have these scorching London marathons. About yeah, I think that's scorching five. relative to, to the UK. It's and it also does... been raining for the last 130,000 days. Days in Britain, yeah. So right. Roughly 130,000. Is that the yeah. Met Office report? Yeah. yeah. The, the no, web... that's just my report of how soggy all of my runs all have been. All the spring, Lovely. spring has Moist. been awful. Yeah, so far. So actually, <laughs> it's probably going to be about 16 degrees, isn't it, Andy? So we'll probably be all right. It, I think know. so. It does get up into the 20s sometimes, like you say, those years yeah. where it's where it's rare. Um, but I would say, yeah, if if he's not worried about the weather, he's just worried about his body clock, then actually the time difference and the travel is going to take care of that. But yeah, I think we were doing some some research for a video into carb loading and so on recently. And the kind of general advice was, was it was around four hours to have a carb-heavy breakfast, but one that you're well-practiced at kind of digesting around four hours before start time. So, 6 a.m. Yeah. Yeah. So, so him being up and ready at like five or six a.m. would still be fine. Getting getting the kind of carbs in then in a way that he's going to know his, his gut can manage, for example, because because that's probably the biggest battle here. Getting up at five a.m. in order to properly fuel, then you'd be needing to have breakfast so early. So it's not too early then. So I think ten a.m. is going to actually do him a massive favor here. I think in yeah. terms of the the time difference plus actually giving yourself more time to go to bed, get up and have a proper breakfast. I think you're in, into a into a winner here very best of luck as well yes amazing thanks for listening so you've been listening to the running channel podcast we've got through another one yeah, yes well done yeah. oh, my Woo-hoo. gosh <laughs> it's jokes. marathon Woo. week yeah hey <laughs> Woo-hoo. Sounds so let's honestly. do it <laughs> thank you so much for listening to another running channel podcast please do go and leave us a review if you've enjoyed it if you haven't don't worry there's another podcast you can go and find and we'll see you <laughs> wow, next time you, This episode was brought to you by Under Armour and their Infinite Elite Everyday Running Shoe, which has a focus on both comfort and endurance. So an ultra springy, responsive feel that protects your legs and keeps them feeling fresh, which is what Jess has been putting to the test as she's been training for over the last 12 weeks for taking on her ultimate ever 10K. And she's been focused on consistency. So being able to show up with those fresh legs every day and every week in order to put in the work and the recovery that she needs to do to run her best. If you want to check out the Under Armour Infinite Elite, head to the link in the show notes.